It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. You're listening to Good Morning Women, a division of Noise Media Network, hosted by Audrey Bell Kearney, sharing stories about people and places around beautiful Gwinnett County and beyond, Monday through Thursday at 10 a.m. Southern Living at its best. Hey, 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 all my Gwinnettian out there in Gwinnett land and all of you around the world listen to the sound of my voice. It's a beautiful day here in Gwinnett County, and I know... This is a non-traditional day. I know today is not Monday. I know today is Sunday, but this is indeed a special broadcast, and I'm happy to um, I'm happy to be taking bringing this broadcast to you today. So I have a guest today, and she has a really um, an amazing story to tell about how she was a she was a social worker at a, in, a, in a school, and she was accused of a crime that she said she did not commit, and she. Because of that conviction, she served 1,032 days in prison. And so we're going to talk to her and um, get her story so she can tell us what happened, how it got to that point, what has she been doing since she's been home, and all of the great things that she's been doing. Because she's been doing some amazing things, which is why I had to do this interview today. You know, Sunday is my day off, right? But I had to do this interview today because she has a wonderful cause. She's, um, She's doing a soap drive. And I want to help her as much as I could get the word out about what she's doing. But I also want her to share her stories and hope that somebody out there um, who's listening to this show knows a, knows another podcaster who would like to talk to her and hear her story and share her story with, with others around the world. Because it's, it's, in truly, it's truly a story that needs to be shared because of the injustice that, that we see every day in the world. And so without further ado, my guest today is Ms. Joanne Cash. She said, you know what, I didn't do it. And so she's going to tell us what it was she didn't do and what happened after after everything went down. So welcome to the show, Joanne. Well, thank you so much. I just appreciate you giving me this opportunity. You're very welcome. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. So um, when I met you, you were told you told me this story. You had just you had written a book, and I, you know I'm, I know I love books. I'm a book lover. I talk about how many books I have all the time. But Joanne had written a book, and she was telling me the story about how she was incarcerated for 1,032 days. So, Joanne, before we get to that point, give us a little background of, of who you are, where you come from, and then we're going to work our way up to how you got to this point. Okay. And, again, Audrey, I just said thank you for this opportunity. But, yes, my name is Joanne Cash, and I'm from Brunswick, Georgia. Um been in Atlanta a long, long time. I've worked as a school social worker uh, for Clayton County School System, worked with the juvenile courts. I've, I've just been around quite quite a while, like I said. But this has been a while back, um, 19, 
I can't believe it. I'm almost having trouble remembering the date. But you know what? When you trust God, that's what He'll do. Mm-hmm. That, that He'll He'll do. He'll 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 wipe away those negative those things that were meant to be negative. But it was back in 1998. Mm-hmm. That's when it was. That's how long ago. 1998. I was convicted of Medicaid fraud. I owned the counseling center. Um, not just and uh the services grew and we ended up with offices here in atlanta we had two in atlanta and one in my hometown brunswick georgia mm-hmm. and because our counselors comprised of master's level uh individuals um it was deemed that the services weren't not supposed to be provided by them, but by one of the Medicaid providers. Now, what does that mean, Joanne? So you had counselors that were working with you. Were they not licensed counselors, or were they were they licensed? When you say them, they couldn't do the service. What What do you mean by that? Based upon what uh, Medicaid said, the services were only supposed to be provided by their providers. Okay. Even though their providers are the one who completed the paperwork and assured us that what we were doing was in compliance mm-hmm. because I owned the, the business, mm-hmm. the responsibility became mine. Mm-hmm. And, Audrey, it was a long time ago, but when I look back and I think about all of the good that came from the services that were provided by Hand in Hand Counseling Service, which was the name of the organization. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm more happy than I'm not mm-hmm. that, that I went through this. Okay. So mm-hmm. now, so you, you had it, you had it, you had a social service agency, you were helping people, it was called Hand in Hand. And because mm-hmm. of Medicaid, now well, let me ask you this. When Medicaid came to you, because I know you got convicted, but when Medicaid came to you and said, hey, Ms. Cash, you know, what you're doing is not in compliance, did they give you the opportunity to correct the situation before they even charged you with with the crime? You know, it's strange that's your first question. Um, We were scheduled to meet with the GBI. When I say we, my attorney and I, Mm -hmm. and we had to go out to the GBI for them to question me. Mm Mm-hmm. And we got there maybe about 10 minutes early, and we were in the hall. Um, So this door opened, and these individuals came out of this room. And my attorney walked in, and I don't know what they said to him, but when he came back, he said, it's over. They've already decided to indict you. Wow. So they never questioned me. Wow. Nor did they ever question the, the organization's treasurer. Wow. So do you feel like your attorney did you justice? Because it doesn't sound like he fought very, or she fought very hard for you. Did, did you? Do you feel like you had a, a good attorney on your side? Well, the attorney that I had here in Atlanta was excellent. Mm-hmm. But the charges were brought from the office that was in Brunswick. Okay. So, uh, and um, my attorney told me that legally, 
I could not be charged in Brunswick because the charges is supposed to come from where the billing takes place, which is Atlanta. Mm -hmm. When I went to Brunswick, it, it was, I guess, a formality to go there and based upon what my attorney here said, what they're going to do is not accept the case because that's not the correct venue. Mm -hmm. When I got there, the judge that was assigned to my case was out sick, and they assigned another judge to the case. Mm -hmm. And she decided that that was, that was the proper venue and proceeded with the case. So she decided it was a proper venue. Your attorney has said that's not the proper venue, so you don't really have to worry about it. At that point, did the attorney say, well, since that's the proper venue, do my client get some more time so we can set up a defense for her? No, that was, that, that was not an option. As a matter of fact, I, um, when I got there, I, w I was supposed to turn myself in. Um, this was prior to the trial. Mm. And it's South Georgia, you know, I don't know how much more I need to say about South Georgia, my hometown, and I'm thankful uh, that a mod Aubrey case just happened. And some of the same folk mm. that's involved down there now were involved with me. Um, you know, we talk about the prejudice and the racial disparity you know, when you've lived through it, mm -hmm. um, it's more than real for you. Mm -hmm. But before I, I go further, Audra, I have to tell you, and, you know, what the devil meant for evil, God has turned it around for good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with what happened. You know, we all have an assignment. Mm-hmm. And that was my assignment. I knew when I was in fifth grade that I was going to go to jail for something. Really? Why do you say that? It dropped in my spirit in fifth grade mm. to the point where, and she's still a friend today, Gloria Spaulding. I had said to Gloria, I just go for something. But Gloria, I said... Your phone going in and out, Joanne. Yeah. I missed part of what you said about, Glo uh, about oh, Gloria. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I said to Gloria, you know, I just got this feeling I'm going to jail for something, Gloria. I said, whatever it is, I didn't do it. So when I call you, you just come and get me. Wow. And it was almost 40 years later. Wow. I made that phone call, and that's, and that's exactly what she did. She came and got you. She came and she put her house up. Wow. Because they would not even accept my house for bail. Um. <laughs> now, why was that? Because I know a lot of times when you go to a bail bondsman, you know, anybody that's, gonna, that's willing to take a chance and put up their property to get someone out of, out of jail, they normally take. Why wouldn't they take yours? Well, my husband was going to put our house up. Uh, this happened in Glen County. Our house was in Fulton because I went down to that office. But the judge decided that uh, she had given me, I think it was a $150,000 bond, 
And my husband said he put up our house, and she said no. That was like buying justice. That's a, her direct quote. So it sounds like to me she just had it in for you. That's what it sounds like because, one, she came in and took over where, where, where the previous judge had came in and said, you know, this is not our jurisdiction or it, it doesn't belong in our courts. She comes and says, yes, it does, and then she won't even allow you to get yourself out of trouble. And then they didn't give you the opportunity to, you know, plead your case because they had already decided we're going to indict her no matter what they say. We don't even want to, you know what I mean? So I feel like, listen to your story, that there was a lot of injustice there done. So tell me now. Once you got convicted and you were sent to prison, what what happened next? Well, I served uh, 1,032 days. First of all, she kept me in the county jail 100 and I think it's 128 days before she sentenced me. Mm. I was just there in the detention center. Um, and once I started serving my sentence, uh, we filed an appeal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we needed the transcript, and my husband and, and those tried to get it, uh, I think it's using the proper status, because I wasn't working, I was in jail, and she refused. Mm. He had to come up with, I think, $5,000 uh, to get a copy of the transcript. Mm. Now, isn't that supposed to be like and, public domain or something? Audrey, we could talk about this from now on. Nothing's gonna make it right. I just thank God that I've come to I've come to grips with what happened, and I know it was all a part of my assignment and a test of my faith. Wow! And I can't tell anybody that out of that one thousand and thirty-two days, brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That I made an A every day. Mm. Because for me and in my mind, I decided that this was nothing but a test. Mm -hmm. No, I didn't make an A every day, but out of those 1,032 days, I never made an F. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I was able to at least always maintain, at least at minimum, must see faith. And that's all he requires. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's true. So now you 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 spent a thousand thirty two days inside um, in jail, in prison. I'm sure you got to see a whole lot of things that you probably never even thought you would see that went on behind bars. And I know from that you were able to come out. You started a nonprofit and you have this soap drive. Tell us about some of the disparaging things that you saw while you were while you were incarcerated and why. What made you decide? You know what? When I come out, I have to help those that I have lived with for a thousand thirty two days. Well, um, you know, the things that I saw that were of concern to me, one of the officers said to me, where do you think you are? This is prison. This is what they do. This is what we do. So, you know, they made it plain to me that I was on their turf. Mm. And I had to learn to survive 
in an environment that was totally foreign to anything that I had ever known. Mm. But uh, because the, the best thing that happened to me when I first got to prison was in our day room, little room where you go and watch TV if you're going to be nice and quiet. There was a bulletin board in there. Mm-hmm. And I read it. It says, prison is a state of mind. Mm. And I never allowed that thought to leave me mm-hmm. because I realized while they had my body, I refused to allow them to have my mind. Mm. So I could not fit in their world. So I just had to maintain mine. And as a result, I was able to start Bible studies and do a lot of different things to the point where, Audrey, I could say a lot of days, a lot of days, I had a good time. Mm. I think had they let me come home on, on the weekend, I'd have gone back on Monday because I was just fascinated by how individuals can assume that they have the authority and the right over another person. Mm-hmm. About foolishness. Mm-hmm. I mean, anything. A- anything. You know, anything that's going to cause a problem, That that's what they wanted to do for you. So when you say anything that's going to cause a problem, so you were there, you were trying to have a peaceful, do your time peacefully, encourage people through Bible study. Were there times where they tempted you, they tried to tempt you to do things that were wrong to, to, to take you off, you know, to make you, to make you have a, a mind that was in prison? Were there things that, that were done there to do, to do that? Well, you know, uh, they all let me know that I didn't fit. Mm. You know, I got in some little troubles, but... Like John Lewis said, to me it was good trouble. Like, and it, for instance, and the, the first thing that one of the first things that I did that uh, caused the problem was, you get a chance to go to the store to uh, buy stuff once a week. Well, once a week, I would buy a half a pint of butter pecan ice cream, mm-hmm. and I did. I bought the ice cream. Because I'm lactose intolerant, mm-hmm. that that kept me from having problems with my bowels. And all I ever wanted was just a spoonful, mm-hmm. and I would buy it and just put that spoonful in the top and give the rest of it away. Mm-hmm. But, but what I didn't know, <laughs> what I didn't know was you don't do that. Mm-hmm. that that's personal dealing, and and you're not supposed to give things like that to, to individuals. But for me, and that's why my book, Comfortable Being Ignorant While Surviving the Journey, I got in trouble because I was ignorant to what I was supposed to do because the, the girl that I w- would try to give the ice cream to had been in prison about 20-some years, and she couldn't remember the last time she had ice cream. Mm. And one day I was headed to my detail, my work detail, and I had the ice cream. 
I, I'm trying to give her the ice cream before I go to work. So the only person I saw that I thought could get it to was one of the officers. Mm. <laughs> so I went and asked the officer if she would give it to me. Wow. And the lady, she looked at me, she said, you have got to be crazy. Well, no, I'm not crazy. I just don't want to waste this ice cream because I'm not going to eat anymore. You know, I th- can throw it away or get it to her because I know she looks forward to it. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that was one time I got in trouble. Another time I was on my detail when they had me in the laundry room. And um, I had been to the store that day and some kind of loose candy. It wasn't peppermint, but some kind of new loose candy. They, I bought this big bag. So I had put some in my pocket and with the idea of being able to share it while we were on the detail. So when we were back there folding clothes, I took it out of my pocket and I put it up on this little shelf so anybody that wanted some could come and get it. Mm-hmm. Same officer said, you have lost your mind. <laughs> she said, you have lost your mind. What are you doing here? You know, I... Wow. You just, you didn't do that. Right. You didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Wow. But so, as far as, you yeah, know, that, as a social worker, you know, I worked with more individuals in, in the prison, not just not just inmates, but even the officers would come to me about their kids uh, certain situations that they were having at home asking for advice you know Joanne I gotta ask you this question because I I thought about this as you were talking so you went to you went to prison for Medicaid fraud is that considered a white collar crime because as I think as I think right now I'm thinking about Lori Laughlin and Felicity Huffman and you know they get to choose the prison they want to go to what work hours they want to have so was your crime considered a white collar crime and were you incarcerated with like the hard criminals or did you go to some special cushy cushy prison like you know like they're getting a chance of doing choosing their menus for dinner and stuff like that um Diane Sawyer years ago did a special and it it featured the most dangerous women in Georgia's prisons. And I'll never forget my grandbaby. She's 17 now. She must have been about eight or nine months. And I was babysitting her, and this program came on with Diane Sawyer. And the latest that she interviewed, as the danger, most dangerous women in Georgia's prisons were my friends. What? I had an opportunity to direct the uh, prison choir uh-huh. at Christmas. And the most notorious women, they say, in Georgia's prisons, they were, they were in the choir. Wow. So to answer your question, no, I didn't have a cushy, cushy, nothing. Now, I did get an opportunity to serve in the um, the dorm. Uh, they had a dorm for what they called uh, Christians. Mm-hmm. And I was the first uh, president elected uh, to be president of that dorm, faith-based dorm. That's what they called them. Mm-hmm. A faith-based dorm. 
But, no, I was not separate from anybody. As a matter of fact, well, I won't even go into that, you know. But it, And it was fascinating to me because uh, I would... I would talk to them. I guess, they, well, you know, they say I was always interviewing them. I was not interviewing them, but since I'm here with you, you know what happened? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that probably would be and, me. That probably would be me doing the same thing. What happened? How you, what happened? Tell me what, you got here. What, what happened? Mm-hmm. Just like my friend Vivian, who stabbed and killed the two, uh, the set of twins at their birthday party. You know, that Vivian was my friend. Mm-hmm. Or the young lady who killed and cooked her son and fed him to her husband. Oh, Lord. Lord have mercy. Ooh, that's so, rough there, Jojo Ann. That's, that's a little rough. Uh, I did not realize truly who they were until I saw Diane Sawyer's interview. And I was back home then. Wow. Wow. So they were they were a little bit ruthless. Now you could if you could kill your son and then feed the son to the husband, you, that that made you a little bit notorious, you know. And, but and I ask you that question because when I look at when I look at people like Felicity Huffman and and um God I just said her name and I I, I lost it. But the other one that just went to jail recently and you know even when Martha Stewart went to jail, um they mm-hmm. were they were in they were in you know federal prison you know where there were no hardened criminals all white collar crime um had been committed and so when i hear what your crime with the, the crime you committed on i'm assuming that's a white collar crime but they put you in a it's not like maximum security prison with some really rough women who became your friends thank god um and i think that's so to me that sounds like a whole lot of un- injustice within itself right there but we won't get into that because that's another whole show i want to talk about I want to talk about well, where. Let me just tell you. Yeah, I was go ahead. Under a, the first offender, uh, but uh, I was given twenty years. What? Wow. Not only did you not go to a white collar crime prison, you were given twenty years as a first offender for a crime that you did not commit. Nor did you get a chance to even defend yourself on. Wow. You know, when folk read my book, they ask me. Well, did this happen in the United States? Wow. Yes. Mm. Do you think? Did you think that the fact that you were African American had a lot to do with the way you were sentenced and the way your case was handled? Well, um, the night before I was sentenced, my pastor at that time, because I was raised in Brunswick, Reverend Tillman, came to me. The judge asked him to talk to me and get me to make a plea, but I could not do it. I couldn't do it and face myself in the mirror. Mm -hmm. She wanted me to plead guilty to the fact that I set out a scheme to defraud the state. Mm. That didn't happen. And, And because I would not agree to that, she told him my biggest problem was I was too uppity. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. 
And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit. Wow. But now this is a, a judge who is no longer a judge. Thank God. She at one time was being considered for indictment, mm. and they to, uh, they were going to indict her because of some of the things that she'd done in her courtroom down in Brunswick. Mm-mm-mm. So You know, it's so sad. When you think about people who have that kind of power, they hold no value for people's lives. So you being you're just being facetious because you can, not because you have real facts or what you're what you're saying is true. It's just because you just want to be mean, mean and evil. And I just who has this thing? I'm not going to get onto that. I talk about that almost every day on this show because of all the stuff that's going on in politics right now. But I'm gonna go on to what I want to talk about. So fast forward to the day you came home and you decided, you know what, I have to help people, and you started your nonprofit. Tell people, tell my audience about your nonprofit, the name of it, and what you do at the nonprofit. Okay. Well, the name is Family Unification Network Incorporated. And we refer to it as FUN, mm-hmm. F-U-N. I didn't start it after I got home. It was started prior to my leaving. Uh, and we put it in place because when the counseling service started out, we were, were providing services for the juvenile court, court services, the district attorney's office, And one of Medicaid's providers, one of their doctors, came to me and offered me an opportunity to service um, that population that's on Medicaid. We did not start out with Medicaid, but with one of their providers completing the paperwork, and it was a golden opportunity. Mm -hmm. It was a wonderful opportunity, and um, that's how we got involved with Medicaid in the first place Mm -hmm. so that we could use a holistic approach. With us working with court services in the juvenile court, those were the children. Mm -hmm. But with us working with children and sending them back into those homes without some training for those parents, more often than not, it was like we were fighting a losing battle. So with us being participating in Medicaid, we could provide family sessions, which would include those those uh, parents and guardians. And that was why we were willing to, you know, to pursue that. Mm-hmm. And so now, fun, you know, when, when, you, when, when I met you and you was talking about the soap drive, I had never heard of anyone doing a soap drive. And it was so crazy because I know I've been trying to, you know, get people to support you by mailing you soap from Amazon. And some people have done it. And um, But 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 I one person. Eight different folks. Oh, eight different people. Okay, great, great, great. And I got to go back and say thank you to Joe. I told him, listen, I'm sending it. I think I sent it to about 25 people on my phone. And I told them to share it with two people. Hopefully they will, you know, they will continue to share. But one person texted me back and she said, um, 
I didn't know soap was a problem in prison. I said, neither did I. So what made you decide to do the soap drop? Is is soap having soap in prison a problem? Well, no, not having soap in prison uh, is not a problem. The problem is the prison soap. Mm. Um, I don't know who makes it. Uh, um, they probably make it themselves. Mm. But it is excellent for cleaning tennis shoes. Mm. But when you talk about women washing their faces and other parts of their bodies, that, that's not what you need to do. Mm. And I'm just so thankful that I didn't have to use it on my body because the amount of support that I received, I always had money on my books so I could buy what they refer to as free world soap. Wow. And not have to use it myself. But you asked me how it started. While I was in prison, there were some ladies who just did not have, get anything for Christmas. Christmas is the only time that they allow you to get some things that you want. Um, socks. Um, main thing was cookies and, and candies at Christmas. So when I first got, when I was there, I called one of my friends back in Atlanta and said, listen, these ladies are here and they're not going to have anything for Christmas. Can you get with some folk and put together uh, some things and I'll get you their Christmas list? So while I was in prison for the two Christmases that I was there, both years, my buddies in Atlanta sent 12 boxes, Christmas boxes, one lady hadn't received a box in 24 years. Mm. So that's how it started. Once I got out for 10 years, we sponsored Christmas packages for the women. This is because on my way out of prison, my last day, when they know you're leaving, they call you like 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, and you have have to pack up everything so when the population gets up to go to breakfast you've already left the facility mm -hmm. but before i left i left a farewell note on the bulletin board reminding those ladies that they are their sister's keeper mm -hmm. and they need to learn to get along with each other that i love them and that one day i would come back to see them mm. but i assured them i'd have on my own clothes because I would not be coming back as one of them, mm -hmm. not not an inmate, mm -hmm. and that I would never forget them. And for the first 10 years when we sent those packages back in, that was my way of letting them know that I was keeping my word. Mm -hmm. Well, 10 years ago when the economy went sour, they told us that we could no longer send the packages because they didn't have the staff to check for contraband. Mm. So my question then was, what else can we do? And one of the ladies, the lady who was the coordinator of uh, volunteers at Arendelle State Prison said, what about some soap? They, they need a good antibacterial soap, something that's going to not treat their bodies like that prison soap does. Mm-hmm. So when I talked with Chaplain Johnny Jett, he's since passed. 
I asked him, I said, well, uh, what kind of what kind of stuff are you talking about? He said something antibacterial that's going to help maintain some of the moisture in the lady's skin. He said, you know about that stuff. I said, well, how many bars are you talking about? He said, I need about 4,500. I almost died because mm-hmm. I never had anybody ask me for 4,500 anything. <laughs> but that year, which was our first year, um, I put the word out and... We uh, were able to donate 5,300 bars of soap. Wow. But but that's God. Yeah. But to date, and this is our 10th year, to date we have sent in over 400,000 bars of soap. Wow. To the men and women incarcerated throughout the state of Georgia. And we don't just send that soap. Each bar of soap has a scripture on it. Mm. We use a mailing label mm-hmm. and type a scripture wow. and put that on the bar of soap. And we have gotten numerous letters from inmates, not only thanking us for the soap, but thanking us for those words of encouragement that they needed at a rough time during, during their prison stay. And we've had folk come out of prison and contact us and donate soap or donate money because they know how much that soap meant to them when they were there. We give it to them at Christmas as a part of their Christmas packages. Wow. And that's why I'm so thankful for this opportunity, Audrey, because with the pandemic, mm-hmm. it has just wrecked our procedure for collecting soap. We receive soap from churches all around the state but as we all know because of the pandemic church services are not going on like they used to so we have not been able to collect our soap from them mm-hmm. so this year what we're asking for is for folk to either make a donation so that we can purchase the soap in bulk or to do what you've asked your friends to do is just to buy some dial soap and send it to us at 145 Loverwood Court, College Park, Georgia, 30349. Um, day before yesterday, I received calls from the chaplain at Coastal State Prison down in Savannah, mm-hmm. as well as the chaplain at Ware State Prison in Waycross. They're getting nervous. Because with this pandemic, they know how much things have changed, and they are afraid that they're not going to be able to get soap. Mm-hmm. I think so far this year, we've gotten in almost 15,000 bars, but our goal was to get 55,000 bars so that each man and woman that's incarcerated in Georgia's prison could have their own bar of soap. Wow. See, with this, pan- with this pandemic... You know, they tell you to do three things. Wash your hands. They want you to wear a mask, Mm -hmm. practice social distancing, Mm -hmm. and wash your hands. Mm -hmm. Well, in some prisons, not all of them, but in some prisons, they are allowed to wear a mask. None of them can really practice social distancing because of that environment. Mm -hmm. So I'm asking for help. Please help me make it possible so that they can at least wash their hands. 
So, Joanne, I got a question for you. Because there's mm-hmm. going to be somebody, and I'm sure you probably have been faced with this question before. There's going to be somebody who's listening to the show right now or later on, and they're going to say, why should we even bother? Because had they not did the crime, they wouldn't be doing the time. What do you say to that person that's, that thinks that way? Well, first and foremost, let me say they have a right to think the way they want to. Mm-hmm. But, but I was there. Right. Now, I know my circumstance. I did not deliberately set out to defraud anybody, yet I was accused and convicted of that. But I met numerous people, numerous people in prison who are innocent. And then I met a whole bunch who were guilty. But the God I serve is a God of a second chance. Mm Mm-hmm. 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 Absolutely. Well, and, and and I, you know and I I realize I realize that there are a lot of people uh, who feel like that. Um, you know, one of the things that I've been working with through our nonprofit family unification is uh, faces in the crowd. That's one of the the uh, programs that we sponsor. And the reason being. You never know who it is you're talking to. That's true. You never know who it is you're talking about. Mm-hmm. There's so many, I, you know, especially if you are a person of color, you know somebody, if not you, that's been impacted by this criminal justice system. And the stigma that's associated with it does more damage than you can ever imagine. You know, I have folk tell me all the time what they used to tell me. You don't look like a prisoner. And my question to them is, well, how does a prisoner look? Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you don't grow an extra eye. <laughs> you, you, you won't have three ears. So, 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 so what, 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 what does that mean? And I'm committed to reducing that stigma. Mm-hmm. I've had folk, even at my church, say, I need to talk to you about my brother because he's supposed to come home from prison, and I don't want nobody to know why. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, I had a, I had an aunt, my, my, my dad's sister. She's the oldest. It was three of them, and she was the oldest. And um, I remember going to see her in Milledgeville, um, when I was a little girl, she, a, a white man slapped her and she killed him. And, um, mm-hmm. she went to Milledgeville. They did, she, she went through a lot, Joanne. They, they told me that they did, um, my cousin found out that they were doing, um, some kind of brain, uh, God, what was it? Um, they was giving electric shock. Like they were giving her electric mm-hmm. shock, um, all these things. And I remember my, my dad used to take us every Sunday. We would drive from Albany, Georgia to Milledgeville to see her. And when she came home, she was just she she couldn't function in she could not function outside of prison. So she went back again after doing. I think she did, she might have done did fifteen years before she came mm-hmm. home. And when she went back, she went back again, and she, she could, because she couldn't function. And they had they had did electric shock of her, and then she came mm-hmm. home the second time, and she was better. Um, but by then she was in poor health, and so you know she had a stroke and stuff like that. But she did 
the majority of her life locked up. And now she she's still living. She she's my dad. Old, my dad passed away in two thousand six. She's still around, but she you know she's had a stroke. But I remember and when, when my cousin tell his story because my cousin dad is white. Um, he wasn't the guy that she killed, but he is white. And I remember, I remember her telling me these stories and she has me about six years. She's like six years older than I am. And we would have these, we would go through these, these stories about our family on my, on my dad's side and her mom's side. And when she started telling me like some of the stories about going to see my aunt and I remember my dad and my mom and my brother, he going, we go see her, you know, we go inside the room and she had on the, the dress that looked like a, I don't know, it was like a. It was like a straight gray looking dress. It, no, no style to it. a prison prison wardrobe or whatever. But I remember those okay. things. And so later, when I got older, old enough to know, I said, "Well, he slapped her. Was that not self defense? Because I know Georgia has a self defense law, but he was white. So whether he whether she was defending herself or not, he was white. And you know, uh, I hear that Georgia has a self defense law, but I was women who were battered i mean one girl i think about right now her husband just took her out riding one day and tied her to a tree and just beat her mm. and just took off a belt and, and beat her and, and Uh-oh, you those beatings were coming mm. and one day she she just couldn't take another beating but uh, she had a life sentence wow wow you know, and I I think they have one because I, I remember when I was about, I must have been, my grandmother was still living, so I was about seven. The man who lived across the street from her, um, he had a girlfriend. And I don't know what she supposedly had did to him, but he shot and killed her dead in his living room. I'll never, I'm never going to forget that as long as I live. And they called it self-defense. He didn't do a day, in, not one day. And I, re- I I believe that it was because he was like a big time big dog in in Albany. He had like the bars and the, you know he ran the numbers and and so I I, I remember all this stuff. I was a little girl, but I remember this. If I'm sitting here talking to you right now, I remember this stuff. And I told my uncle about probably about three months ago, and he said to me, "You remember that?" I was like, "I remember." It. And he said, "My uncle said, you know, I went over there and I saw that girl laying on the floor dead." I said, "Did you see it?" He said, "I saw it." And at that time, my uncle was a teenager and I was a little kid, but I remember that stuff. And I remember that man didn't do one day because I remember my grandmother saying he didn't do any time, not one day. But then he was a big dog. You know, he had the bars and he had the numbers and he had all that stuff going on. So they wasn't trying to mess up that. Mm-hmm. And she was dead. Unfortunately, that's the reality of it. That's the reality. So... But listen, I'm so glad I had the opportunity to share your story with others. And I know there are going to be other podcasters who reach out to you to share your story again. You're probably going to get tired of sharing your story. But I know that what you're doing is a worthy cause. And that, yes, people deserve a second chance. Because like you said, our God is a second second chance God. And so who who are we to judge? You know what I mean? If we can help, help. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, um... I need some soap, y'all. But, you know, just think about somebody that's in, in prison that really shouldn't be there, but locked up, and this pandemic is just doing what it's doing. Mm-hmm. And can you imagine the, the level of fear that they have now? They need something that they can feel good about. Right. Um, you know, and, and those who think that um, they deserve to be there, 
it's it's okay. I just ask them to find it in their hearts to just whisper a little bit, a little prayer for them. Mm-hmm. Just, just, you know, um, 98% of the individuals who are incarcerated are going to be released one day. Mm-hmm. And then you don't know what kind of blessing you will get when you do something for a population that some consider the least of these. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you look, look at Trump. Hmm. Mm-hmm. The least of these. Mm-hmm. That 250,000 in his, in his head, they're the least of these. Mm-hmm. 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 We can do better than that. We can do better than and that. And I just anybody who will to please either buy some soap, send it to 145 Loverwood Court, College Park, Georgia, 30349, or go to our website, www.familyunificationnetwork.org, and make a donation. We're going to buy that soap, get the labels put on it, and these chaplains come from prisons all around the state here to Atlanta because the need is just that great. Just that great. It's just that great. And during this pandemic, if you felt helpless, wanting to do something and not knowing what you can do, this is a golden opportunity. And I just pray that you find it in your heart to take advantage of it. Amen. And Audrey, thank you so much. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. You are so very welcome. Listen, guys, y'all can do exactly what we did. I'm gonna put the I'm gonna put her contact information in the show notes along with a link to Amazon because all I did was put a link in a text message to Amazon because I wanted to make it simple for people, Joanne. I know people, they got to go online. They got to look for it. They won't do it. I said, you know what? I'm going to put the note. I'm going to put the link with the note. So just click the link and buy the soap. So I'm going to put the note inside the show notes for this episode. I'm going to put her address in there so where you can send the soap. I'm going to put a link to Amazon where you can buy the soap. Click the link and just send it to the address that's going to be inside the show notes. It's that simple. And I think that's a simple way to, to, to get people to, you know, to help out. But if you want to make a donation, like she said, go to family, familyunificationnetwork.org and make a donation there. All donations are accepted. Right? Nobody turns down donations, and which monetary or soap. So you want to donate money, mm-hmm. you can make, donate some money. If you want to donate some soap, you can donate some soap. If you feel really generous and want to donate both, I'm sure she'll take both. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. So listen, guys, I know this was a special episode, but I had to help her get the word out, and I will continuously to do that as much as I can because I, what I understand is I've, I've had my aunt serve 15 years of her life, probably 20 when, when, when she returned, and I know that she did not come out the same way she went in, right? I know that for a fact. She had a rough life. Um, and, and I understood that as well, but there are some people there like Joanne who probably did not deserve to be there, but they were there because they had, they could not afford an attorney for whatever reasons The the course was overloaded for other reasons. Listen, I went to school to be a paralegal and I was working in the public defender's office. I know that the public defenders had, they have a lot of cases. So somebody's going to slip through the cracks. And I guarantee you there are more people than not who slip through the cracks because there are so many cases that just won't get got to because of that. So 
you know, don't be so judgmental. I know we are quick to judge, mm-hmm. and, and I say it all the time. Oh, yeah. Only God should be the judge. That's what I say all mm-hmm. the time. And, and listen, I raise my hands. I'm judgmental sometimes too. My hand is raised. You can't see it right now, but it is raised. However, mm-hmm. I do my best to do mm-hmm. good. So. Thank you, Joanne, for taking the time to share your story with my listeners. I will put your information inside the show notes so they can just click and buy. And um, uh, anything else I can do to help, you know, I'm always wanting to do that. And listen, guys, share this episode with your friends. If you missed any of my past episodes, go to goodmorninggwinnett.com and listen to past episodes there. Listen, take this episode. Go to Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give it five stars. Share it with three friends. Tell them to give it five stars. Go to the show notes and make the donation. She needs your support. There are people there who are taking baths with soap to probably take their skin off. I, when you, when as you were talking about that, I remember my grand. So listen, for those of you who don't know, I was born in Albany, Georgia, but I was raised in Newark, and I've been back in Georgia for seven years. But my grandmother and them didn't go to the doctor for anything. They made everything, and they made a soap <laughs> called potash, right? I have no idea yeah. what's inside of potash. All I know, it was <laughs> potash, and that's what they was going to wash the clothes with, and their clothes came out white as snow. So when I think about the harsh reality of having to take a bath with something like something like that that's going to harm your skin, that's why this is important <laughs> that you help Joanne on her mission to provide the soap to the women and men who are locked away. Yes, some of them are really guilty, but there are a lot of them who are not. And we ask you to look past that and have a heart, especially at this time of the year, have a heart and, you know, donate to her cause. Thank you again, Joanne, for being on my guest today. Listen, y'all, it's Sunday. I'm about to go. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm about to go have dinner, but I'll be back again tomorrow at 10 10 a.m., God willing. Y'all stay safe out there. Wear your mask. I told you my nephew has COVID. It's real. I don't care what nobody says. Y'all know it's real. So keep your mask on, wash your hands, and stay socially distant. I know you want to enjoy yourself. I do, too, but we got to be safe. I'll be back again tomorrow at 10 a.m., God willing. Until next time, y'all, make it a great day. Bye now. You've been listening to Good Morning Gwinnett. Make sure to tune in Monday through Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time to find out what's happening around Gwinnett. If you like this episode, subscribe now and share with your friends. To learn more about Noise Media Network, visit noisemedia.us. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.